Welcome to the NPFCC Messages Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to prioritize your spiritual growth by intentionally absorbing the Word of God. In this message series, Foundation, we're taking a close look at our core beliefs and how our foundational understanding of the nature of God guides the way we live and see the world. Our prayer is that we would build our foundation on the words and the way of Jesus. Well, hey, welcome this morning. We're glad that you're here, glad that you could spend, that you've chosen to spend some time with us. Um, and uh, we're just grateful to be together, whether you're here, uh, here in person, if you're joining us online, thank you for taking the time to be with us this morning. Um, we're in week four of our sermon series that we're calling Foundation. Be- because we, if we don't get the foundation right, well, then when the storms hit, when the storms hit, right? Did we have a little bit of that this last week? Wasn't that amazing? Some of, some of you were praying overtime for rain, and God delivered, right? Um, but when the storms of life hit, if the foundation's all right, then the house doesn't stand a chance. But if the foundation is firm, and if it's solid, then the, then the house can stand. In week one, we talked about the importance of a foundation. We talked a bit about who God is. If, if you've been wondering about that, if you're new to faith, I'd encourage you to go back to the last couple of weeks and just and catch up on, on the series. You can go to our website and look under media and you can find those things. <clears throat> In week two, we looked at how God created everything, but we broke it. How many of you helped break it this week? I did, yeah. In, in not so subtle ways, we just break things around us. When God creates great things, we have a tendency to break them. We call it sin. And, and there was this problem of sin that entered the world through our choices, and, and then God had to begin the process of redeeming that. And we, we talked last week about the, the main way that he did that in the person of Jesus Christ. And, and we ended with the passage of Scripture that, where Jesus said, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that there's no way to the Father except through him. He's our only hope. And, and, and we trust and we believe that. And those things are foundational. These are foundational truths that we can build our lives and build our faith upon that will help us stand up when the storms of life hit. You know, this morning, we're going to take a look at, um, at another person, the person in the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure that as I, even as I say that, that, that that excites some of you, right? And it terrifies others. You know, I, I, this morning my hope is to help you have just a basic understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, how we receive the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does, and then how we live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I got my work cut out for me this morning. We're gonna try, I mean, you take whole classes on this in seminary, but we're gonna try to do this in under an hour. So, um, so everybody buckle up, right? So the first thing, though, that I need this morning is I need a couple handymen. I need people who, um, who are pretty handy with tools and stuff. Um, I just need two volunteers. Please, you gotta do this quicker. We're gonna be here forever. All right, okay. Thank you, Doug. I got Doug, and I need one more. One more. Okay, Steve, come on up. All right, so here's what I'm gonna do. We might need a, I don't know, we might need a camera or something up here. Um, here, come on up this way, guys. You can come on over. Um, here, uh, you know what, why don't you, Steve, grab that end of the table. We're gonna move it over this way a little bit so everyone can see a little better. All right? And um, so I've got a couple things here. You guys are familiar with these, right? You know how to use one of those? Okay, good. All right, so uh, this is Doug. Can we, can we uh, hear it for Doug? Doug's been new around here, but we're loving getting to know Doug and, and his wife, Rosie. Um, yeah. And, and Steve, I know you know how to do this. So, so here, you know what these are for, right? They're, they're here to help us put these screws into something, right? All right. So, um, Doug, um, here, I'm just going to hand you these, and then on the count of three, you just, you just put, the, put the screws in, okay? okay sure. All right. There you go. Okay, go. All right, well, if it was a race, we have a winner. 
But um, Steve, um, so tell me what the problem is, Steve. Well, I don't seem to have the power. You don't seem to have the power. Thanks. You're, 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 you know where this is going. So thank you. So thank you. Okay. So let's hear it for our volunteers. I, I, know, I know that the illustration seems um, a little silly, but it's the perfect thing to describe the significance of our need for the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I mean, the reality is is so many of us are not living lives that are filled with power. How many of you think you're just living the most powerful life you can in the Holy Spirit right now? Okay? Because if so, then you need to come preach. (laughs) How many of you are pretty sure that you might be more like this drill over here? How many of you want to be like this one? All right, good. Then, Then you're in the right place. Let me ask you something. How, how, many of, how, how much of your life do you live without the help of the Holy Spirit? I mean, think, think about this for just a minute. When you're struggling with a temptation in life, okay, that you're just trying to deal with, you're trying to avoid, how many of you, in your mind, you just say, I just have to have more willpower, I just have to have, try a little bit harder, I just have to, I just have to walk away, I have to, I have to just make this happen? Or how many of you invite the power of the Holy Spirit to help guide you and help you flee temptation? How how many of you, when you're making decisions and you make them every single day of your life, multiple decisions, how many of the decisions that you make every day do you involve seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit? I mean, think about this. Yesterday, how, how many times did you make a decision and how many times did you stop and say, well, Holy Spirit, help me know if this is the right decision to make? How many of you have gotten pretty used to making them on, on your own power? Yeah, how's that working for you? Yeah? What's interesting is the power's available, but we're not accessing so much of that. When, when, when you're reading your Bible, Okay, and, and, and this goes for a lot of you that have been followers in Jesus for a long, long time. How many of you, every time you approach the scripture, before you dive in and you try to learn something, how many of you stop and you say, Holy Spirit, teach me what is in your word and teach me how to apply this so that I can be the person you've created me to be? Or how many of you just jump in because you're used to just jumping in and doing your few minutes of Bible reading and then checking it off so you get through. You see, how many of you, when you're trying to determine how you're going to use your resources, your time, when you're putting things on the calendar, or or, or your finances, you know, where your money's gonna go, how often do you consult the Holy Spirit as your counselor on how those things should happen? How many of you decide, like, with your calendar, hey, Holy Spirit, like, show me the things that I really need in my calendar and show me the things I don't need. Show me how to spend my time and my days seeking after you, living for you, not cramming everything I can in so that I schedule you out. How many of you, when you look at your finances, think, hey, am I, Holy Spirit, show me how to use my finances in a way that glorifies and expands your kingdom? Or do we just say, dear God, help me be able to pay the bills? Big difference, right? Folks, expecting that we can do any of these things by our own power and without the Holy Spirit is like trying to use a drill without the battery in it. And so many of us are living our lives that way. It breaks my heart as a pastor. And I I gotta tell you, I've been preaching to myself this last week because how much of even church stuff do I go, oh, I, I got this. I've been doing this for a while, Lord. Okay, I think I know, I think I know what to do. But I, what I need and what I hope you will discover is that every single one of us, as we go throughout our moments, our days, our weeks, our months, we, we need to take what, what, I, what I just call a divine pause. 
as we, as we think about every decision that we make, about all the things that we do, and we need to invite God's Holy Spirit in because he wants to empower you to live a life that is filled with power and purpose and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control and all of these amazing things that that's what God wants for you. And the reason that most of us aren't experiencing that Well, it's because we're not accessing the power. If we're honest this morning, most of us have gotten pretty used to living life by our own strength, depending on our own wisdom to make decisions. But by the same token, you know, most Christians that I speak with, they all, just like I think you've admitted this morning, we all have this nagging sense that there's more to this life, especially the Christian life, than I'm currently experiencing, and I want to experience more. I know I've asked this question before, but how many of you have that nagging feeling deep down inside of you that knows that there's just a fire burning inside of you, you just don't know how to let it out? Yeah? Well, that fire is called the Holy Spirit. And this morning, my prayer is that we will learn to let it burn. You know, they, they, you know we know that we should be living lives of victory over sin, lives of freedom, free from the past to live lives of joy and of power. Instead, obviously, we feel like things are missing. We think, oh man, something's missing in my life. Well, in his book, Forgotten God, Francis Chan has this great quote. He says, it's not a missing something, it's a missing someone. And that missing someone is the Holy Spirit. You know, without him, we operate in our own strength and we accomplish only human-sized results. No matter how good you are at what you do, if you don't invite the Holy Spirit in, if you're not accessing the power he has for you, the best you can do is just a human result. I mean, and, and you know, if that happens, if all we do is depend on ourselves, then the world is not moved by our love or our actions because they're of human creation. And the church is not empowered to be different from, from any other gathering of people that that don't have the Holy Spirit. But when believers believe and live in the power of the Holy Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different and the world cannot help but notice if we're truly living by God's Spirit. And while most Christians believe in the person and work of the Holy Spirit, many of us don't experience his power on a daily basis. Now, Over the last few weeks, the topic of the Holy Spirit has kind of taken center stage, especially here in our country, with what happened at Asbury University. I don't know if you followed that. Um, I hope you're not watching too much news, but if you're watching any, you maybe heard about what happened at Asbury University. We're following a chapel service at the, it's a Christian liberal arts school, and and we're uh, following a chapel at the school, several of the students just stuck around, kept singing praise songs. They just kept praising the Lord, praising the Lord. And at one point, one, one student gets up and he starts sharing, he starts repenting and confessing sin and saying, Lord, I'm repenting and I need, I need a fresh move of your Holy Spirit. And it just kept happening. And by the end of the day, they said students were grabbing mattresses out of their dorm rooms to come like spend the night in the chapel as they were just singing all night long. And it lasted until, now they were supposed to stop it yesterday. Somehow they said it was gonna, it was gonna end yesterday is, is what I read, but I, but I don't know. If it's really of the Holy Spirit, we'll see what happens, right? But what's been amazing is it, it gained a lot of attention uh, I love the fact that they weren't letting news media in and all that stuff, but they were still around on the outside wondering what was happening. But not only did it gain attention, it gained attention because I think there's something in us that hopes it's happening. But it also gained a lot of criticism. You know, a lot of people were skeptical, just, just like the fact that some of you in the room, when I said we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit, some of you got a little uneasy. Some of you start squirming in your seat a little bit, right? And you're thinking, uh-oh, be careful, Pastor Ken, right? Don't, don't, don't start getting us all charismatic or something. And while, while, while then there's some of you, others of you, you're sitting on your seat and you're going like, okay, it's about time. See, the reality is every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ and, and confesses him as Lord is charismatic, 
okay, by its very definition, because charismatic simply means filled with the Spirit. And, and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then you are charismatic. You have the Holy Spirit. Now it's just a process of helping you get that fire to the top and helping you walk and step with the Spirit. And when most of us use the term charismatic, what we're usually referring to is somebody else whose faith makes you a little uncomfortable. Usually because they're a little more demonstrative in the way that they worship, right? You know, maybe they raise their hands a little bit. How many of you grew up in a church where this was raising your hands? Right? Yeah. You're a little like, oh man, if, if your hands got up above here, man, it was like, oh man, somebody's getting crazy up in here, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, my whole desire has always been to, to just, that we would have a place where whatever God's Holy Spirit is leading you to do, that there's freedom to do that, as long as it's under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and that, and that it's a place where, where we wouldn't be judged, but we would be glad and anticipate God's movement and, and what he is doing. I mean, let's all agree of this, we long for the Holy Spirit to move in a powerful way, especially among our young people today, amen? amen? We long for the Holy Spirit to change our schools, our cities, our churches, and our homes. So let's not be afraid. And for heaven's sakes, let's not be cynical. If we believe in this power of the Holy Spirit, then let's allow ourselves to be open to what God wants to do. Certainly checked by God's word and, and, and by the body of Christ, but, but let's not try to keep the lid on the Holy Spirit because our world, your neighbors, your friends, your home needs the Holy Spirit to empower you. So let's dive in and look, uh, look at who is the Holy Spirit, okay? And I'm gonna rattle some stuff off really quick. You have a little note thing, so you can try um, to, to keep up and take notes. So um, who is the Holy Spirit? Notice I did not say what is the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not a what, it's a who. And, um, and uh, the first place that the Holy Spirit shows up is in the second verse of the Bible, Okay, shows up right there. Genesis chapter one, verse two. He's just jumping in. We're gonna start with verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Second verse. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. So basically, it was all just a bunch of gee, mush and whatever. And it says, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Hebrew word for spirit right there is the word ruach. I got the spit going this morning, okay? You gotta end it with a little okay, ruach. Okay, everybody try it, ruach, yeah, okay? It's the word for spirit in the Hebrew language. And, and, and what it really means is it means wind, breath, or invisible power. Uh, the, 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 one of the ways that they define it is if you take a sailboat and you put it out on the water, and then when you put the sail up, and then all of a sudden, if you've ever seen this, it's a beautiful thing, that all of a sudden the sail fills, right? And that power that's filling the sail propels the boat. That, that is the idea, that is the Hebrew idea of the, of, of the spirit, that it is this invisible power that fills something and propels it forward, right, that brings it to life. That is what the Holy Spirit is really all about. And, and the, word, the word here, it says, and the Holy Spirit was hovering. Uh, it's actually, a better translation is the Holy Spirit was blowing, right? It wasn't stagnant. I don't like hovering because it, it makes me think it's like stagnant, right? Like it's just kind of sitting there. No, it was blowing across the surface of the waters, right? And so God's spirit is present and it's breathing life into creation. The next place we see the Holy Spirit is in the next chapter of Genesis, Genesis 2-7, where it says, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living being. Again, God's power breathed life into something, gave it life, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It brings things to life. You know, another one that I found that I hadn't really seen before, I was just studying where this word was used in the Old Testament, 
um, was in Genesis chapter one, or Genesis chapter eight, uh, verse one. It was right after the flood. You guys remember Noah and the ark and all the animals and everything, right? Well, the, the world had been flooded, okay, which, which makes what we just went through look like a walk in the park, right? I mean, 40 days and 40 nights of that, and the whole earth is covered in water, but then afterwards, okay, it's like all that happens, the world is flooded, everything else drowned, no one and his family and the animals are in the ark, and then it says, okay, then it says, but then, oh, I'm sorry, after the flood, it, it, what it tells us is, is the Holy Spirit was there and God sent this wind, right? He sent a wind that started to change everything, that started to dry up the waters. So as God started to recreate the world, this wind again shows up over the waters and starts the process of recreation. And, and, and then the Holy Spirit shows up again at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, where Jesus comes and he gets baptized. And in the Gospel of Mark, it says that Jesus went down, he was baptized, and when he came up, it says, and, and he came up out of the water, and, a whole, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And as Jesus began this new ministry of recreation, okay, of letting us know that we could be changed, that, that he was bringing us from death to life, that, that the Holy Spirit again shows up in the process. Some call, Jesus, some call the Holy Spirit the third person of the Trinity, right? You, you hear that all the time. Oh, the Holy Spirit's the third person of the Trinity. The, the problem with that is it kind of diminishes the role and the power of the Holy Spirit, right? He's, he's not third string. He's not playing third fiddle, right? The Holy Spirit is, is not just an add-on to God. The Holy Spirit is fully God, okay? The Holy Spirit is completely God. And, and just as Jesus is, and the idea of the Trinity is one that we believe by faith. We believe that the Bible, while the Bible never uses the word Trinity, the Bible develops the idea by identifying both Jesus and the Holy Spirit as God, along with God the Father. So one of, one of the places it's interesting, because I love this story, is um, we, we talked about who God was in week uh, one. Then last week we talked about who Jesus is and the fact that Jesus was God. In Colossians 2.9 it tells us that the fullness of the deity dwelled in him, right? But then this idea that the Holy Spirit is God, I love it, in, in Acts chapter five, verses three and four, um, there's this incredible story where um, people were, um, at the beginning of the church, people were bringing all these offerings to the Lord and uh, there was this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, if you've been a Bible student for a long time, you remember their story, and they came, and it says they sold a piece of property, and then they brought some of the money um, up from the sale of the property, and they gave it to the people of the church, but then they told them, oh, this is all the money, right? And then moved by the Holy Spirit, Peter looks at them and says, hey, you have not lied. You, he says, how could you lie to the Holy Spirit? He says, you have not lied to the Holy Spirit. You have, you, I mean, you have not just lied to men, you have lied to God. So, so he equates definitely uh, the Holy Spirit and God. And there's multiple places in the Bible that equate the Holy Spirit with God and certainly the power of God. The Holy Spirit is the promised presence of God in the life of every believer. So the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit lives in every believer. So if you're taking notes, that's one of your little fill-in things there. I mean, right after the verses that we read last week in John 14, where Jesus says, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him, he goes on, he, he goes on to tell them, oh, but by the way, not, while I am the way, while I am the truth, while I am the life, I, I'm leaving. Right? He says, uh, I, I'm going to die on a cross, and then I'm going to be resurrected, and then I'm going back to heaven. And, and all of the disciples freak out. Right? And they start getting all worried about, oh my goodness, what's happening? Like, Jesus, we, we've left everything for this guy, and now he's going to die, and he's going to be gone. Like, what are we supposed to do? And, and Jesus then comforts them in their anxiety of like, oh no, what are we going to do now? By telling him that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 14, verses 15 um, and through 17, he says this, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And then he goes on, he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. 
The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And that's a big thing for us to remember is that the Holy Spirit lives in every believer. The Holy Spirit isn't just out there somewhere, okay? He's not just like out there floating around looking for something to do. The Holy Spirit is in you hoping that you will work with him and allow him to be in control. There's a word in there, he says he'll send another advocate. Um, there's this word in the, uh, in the Greek language, which is what our New Testament was written in, this word advocate is a word paraclete. And, and, and it basically means a comforter, a helper, someone who mediates, right? Um, remember, Jesus was the mediator between God and man, right? Well, the Holy Spirit also, he says, hey, I'm gonna send you another one. Like, I'm going away, I'm going back to heaven, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be with you so you will still have someone mediating on your behalf, right? The Holy Spirit. But it's not Jesus in physical form, it's the Holy Spirit, okay, who is living in you. And I love that multiple times Jesus even says, hey, I will be with you. Remember Jesus in the Great, Com uh, Great Commission, he says, I will be with you always. Well, what he's meaning is, I will be with you in, in the form of the Holy Spirit, who will be with you and lives in you. So the Holy Spirit will be in us. He is in the life of every believer. So how do we, how do we get that in us, right? How do we receive the Holy Spirit? You receive the Holy Spirit by placing your faith in Jesus Christ and confessing him as Lord. Jesus said if he went away, he would send the Holy Spirit, right? That's what Jesus had told his disciples. Well, it happened, right? Right after Jesus died, he was resurrected, then he ascends back into heaven, and then just like 50 days, right, later, on the day of Pentecost, the apostles were waiting, because Jesus had told them, hey, go and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And he even tells him, he says, hey, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're gonna know it because you'll be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes. Well, on the day of Pentecost, that happened. The apostles, they, they were filled, it says they were in a room together and this rushing wind, okay, there's the wind again, right? This rushing wind comes into the room and then the, then the Holy Spirit comes upon them. It says that, that, that it came on them and they had like flames of fire, right, that were just above them, and, and then they ran out into the streets, right? They didn't hunker down inside and go, whoa, this is really cool, check it out, you got fire over your head, right? Which is what we might tend to do. Think about it, if the Holy Spirit fell in that same way today, we'd, all, we'd probably like sit in a room and go, whoa, like, you know, like, this is amazing, right? But, but here, what the Holy Spirit, I love what the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit goes, you know what? I'm gonna fill you with power, what? And make you move. And he, and, and he sends them out and they start to preach the gospel and amazing things happen. 3,000 people, right, that, uh, come to the Lord. But, but here's what happens. Peter gets up, he gives the first sermon in the history of the church. And it's awesome. You guys would have loved it. It was probably at the max like 15 minutes long. Okay? You can read it in your Bible and if, if, you, if you read it really slow, it will take 15 minutes. But he looks out at all these people near Jerusalem, right? The people who had just seen Jesus die, right? Some of the people who were there were probably the ones yelling out, crucify him. And Peter looks out at this crowd and he says, hey, he says, this Jesus who you all crucified is both Lord and King, right? And the, and the people were like, like, oh man, we really messed up, right? Like we just killed God. And, and the Bible says they were cut to the heart. In other words, the Holy Spirit's doing his job, right? They were cut to the heart, and then it says, and they cried out, what are we to do? And listen to Peter's reply. He says in Acts 2.38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He, he doesn't say, hey, repent and be baptized, and if you're lucky, the Holy Spirit will come, or maybe somewhere down the road, or hey, you know, that's the first step to getting it. He says, no, you repent and are baptized, and you will, okay, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
So if you're here this morning and you, you have repented, right, uh, then, then if you've been baptized, then you can know that you have the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not be experiencing that. You may be keeping the Holy Spirit. And some of you have been practicing keeping the Holy Spirit like calm, right, for a long time. Because you're just a little afraid of what if the Holy Spirit really took control? Like, what, 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 would, what would he make me do? What would he make other people? What would people think about me for crying out loud if, if the Holy Spirit really got a hold of me? Maybe today there's somebody in the room that's realizing you've been living by your own power and your own sinful nature. And, and, and you know that you need to stop that. That, that would be repenting saying, hey, you know what, I know that when I'm in control of my life, I'm going this way, I'm going the wrong way, and I need to turn, which is what repentance really means. I need to turn and change that direction and let God be in control. That's what repenting is all about. Folks, repenting is not this horrible, difficult thing. Repentance is a gift of God. It means that you get to recognize that you're going in the wrong direction Ask God to help you and forgive you and then say, God, I want to come back in your directions. That's all it is. It's saying, God, I know that I will mess this life up every chance I get and I'm doing it on a regular basis. So God, I need you to change my direction and I want to live a life that's guided by you under your lordship and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if that's, then that's repentance. And there's some of you this morning, you know, you've heard us talk about getting baptized a lot. You've, you've seen people get baptized, and there's some of you in the room that are probably going, oh, yeah, I should probably do that someday. You know what? The, the, the Bible says, hey, you know, by the way, the, the water's always there. It's ready. Maybe some of you need to get baptized this morning. What I love about that verse that says uh, repentance and baptism, there are two ways that we can demonstrate, that we can actually do something that will guide us into what the Holy Spirit is doing inwardly. Okay, they're outward things that, tell, that, that help us connect with the Holy Spirit inwardly. And, and when we do, we are promised, when we repent and are baptized, we are promised the forgiveness of our sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you have repented and been baptized, but you're still holding on to the sin. I, I would just say, don't do that, okay? In fact, if, that, if that's really a problem for you, we have this wonderful thing called CR, Celebrate Recovery, that will help you deal with that, right? We just graduated some people uh, on Friday night. It was amazing. Some powerful testimonies how God is working in people's life and helping them to let go of the things that are controlling them and to be guided by God's Holy Spirit in powerful ways. And it's amazing what God is doing in people's lives. And I could tell you that every single one of those people would tell you this, that they are so glad that they went through the process of recognizing where they've been sinning, that they've handed that over to God and now they're starting to live their lives in step with the Holy Spirit. They'd also tell you it's not easy, but it's powerful. The other way that, um, that you can uh, receive the Holy Spirit is, is ask for it. I know it sounds kind of simple, right? But in Luke eleven thirteen, it says, where Jesus was talking about gifts that the Father gives, and he says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Some of you have been Christians for a long time, and you haven't, you've never really even asked the, Jesus for the Holy Spirit. You never said, hey, God, I want the filling of the Holy Spirit. Again, some of you, Maybe because of what you've been taught before, maybe because you saw somebody who you thought was filled with the Holy Spirit or told you they were filled with the Holy Spirit that kind of freaked you out or scared you or something and you're like, I don't know that I want that. But a lot of you as believers have probably never just stopped and said, hey, Father, I want the Holy Spirit. Would you, would you give me the Holy Spirit? And those are three things that the Bible specifically tells us to do if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Repent, be baptized, and ask. And, and if there's one of those that you need to do this morning, I would just say this. You know what? That's what we're here for. Then, then do that this morning, and, and we will help and guide you. So then we're going to shift gears really fast. What, what, what does the Holy Spirit do? And for the sake of time, I'm going to fly through some of this. Number one. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He empowers us. Number one, he empowers us to witness. And, and um, uh, instead of just reading all these passages, I'll just tell you, at the very beginning, 
Jesus said, hey, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power to be my witnesses, right? And, and then he goes on later, he says, when, when you receive the Holy Spirit, and when he comes on you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he empowers us to witness. He empowers us to serve. In multiple places in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 12 being one of them, he says this, he says, now to each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Which, by the way, when God gives you a spiritual gift, it's not just for your own good. It's, it's for the common good. It's for the church, right? And if you aren't using your gift, right, to, to help build the church, then, then the problem is, is the church is missing out and you're missing out too. And you're not doing what the Holy Spirit says. And the Holy Spirit gives to each person a spiritual gift to be used in the church and for the sake of the kingdom so that God gets the glory. The next thing he does, he empowers us to live to just to live this life in a powerful way. Second Timothy 1.7, one of my favorite verses in scripture says, for God did not give us, does not, uh, sorry, the spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. Some of you need to just write that one down. The spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And, and and that is a power that most of us need. The next thing, the, the Holy Spirit teaches us. In John 14, 26, it says, but when the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, when he comes, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. In John 16, 13, it says, but when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So the Holy Spirit is there to teach us. Some of you, like, that, like I said, some of you, you know, you even approach the Bible and stuff, you're like trying to learn, but oftentimes we don't invite the Holy Spirit to help teach us what it is that we're reading and what it is that we're learning. And we need the Holy Spirit's power to help us understand and to teach us. I also love the fact that uh, just when the Holy Spirit, when we need him the most, he comes here. I love the passage where he says, hey, you know, some, he's telling the, the early Christians, you know, some of you, you're going to face terrible persecution. And he says, and when you stand before kings and all these people, he says, and when you're wondering what to say, he says, don't worry. He says, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say when you need it. Uh, and so he will teach us. The, the next thing, and this is one we all need to pay attention to, is he convicts us. He convicts us. But, <laughs> excuse me, in John 16, 7 and 8, it says, but in fact, it is best, this is Jesus speaking, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. Uh, conviction is, is a powerful thing. And, and one of the things I think we need to understand is conviction is a good thing because it means the Holy Spirit is working in your life. I, I've used this story multiple times. I know some of you are new, so I'll use it again. We had a time in life in, in our family um, where, where uh, I, I came home one day, put some money on the counter, and one of the dollar bills went missing. So I, I, we lined up all the girls for interrogation. No, not really. We just asked all the girls, like, who took the dollar? And everybody said, not yeah, not me. My dad always said if he ever caught that not me kid, he was going to kill him. So, um, but everyone's like, not me, not me, not me, not me, right? And so, uh, you know, of course, what, what, what are you going to do, right? So, so um, Brennan and I, we were just like, well, we're going to pray. And we prayed and we just said, Lord, whoever the guilty one is, let your Holy Spirit do its thing. Well, literally within, within a half an hour, one of them comes crying. I took the dollar, right? And I'm going, yes, Holy Spirit's doing his thing, right? Man, don't you love it when your kids come to you crying? Oh, I, I did something wrong, you know, right? So the Holy Spirit's working. Some of you have seen that before and it's a beautiful thing. Now here's the thing, the Holy, com Holy Spirit convicts, right? He, he lets you know that what, what is happening in your life or the decisions you're making are not right. He does not condemn, right? And he does not shame you. When the voice moves from convicting, which is, hey, 
that's not what God would want you to do, you probably should get that right, or you should probably stop doing that, to, hey, you're a bad person because you've done that. Hey, God could probably never forgive you. Hey, you're worthless because you're a sinner. That voice comes from the devil. And don't listen to that one. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts us with the purpose of bringing you to repentance so that you can get it right again. So you can be walking with the, with the Lord. And that's what God wants. God just wants to walk with us. And so he, he, he creates a mechanism, even gives you the Holy Spirit to help keep you on task, right? The Holy Spirit, I mean, he's just like, come on, come on, come on, come on, trying to keep you on the straight and narrow, right? And there's times when the Holy Spirit is just little conviction, little conviction, little conviction, trying to guide you, right? And sometimes, sometimes, you know, we go off the rails, right? And then the Holy Spirit comes and says, hey, so you know, come on, just confess, repent, get back on track, let's go, right? And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing, and it gives you the power to overcome those things. The next thing, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. In Romans 8, 26 and 27, it says, in the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. How many of you know you're, you're weak, <laughs> right? He helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he searches our hearts and knows the mind of, or who, sorry, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. God, like, how many of you have ever just like, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know how to pray. I, has anybody ever gotten there before? I mean, I, I remember in a really difficult time of my life where, man, I just like was feeling so like oppressed by different things that were happening and I just remember one night being exhausted. I hadn't slept in I don't know how long. And I was laying there in bed one night with my eyes wide open just like, because the, the mind is just like swirling like crazy. And the devil's in there too trying to, trying to like, you know, throw the shame and the guilt and all that other stuff in. And he's just trying to mess everything up anyways. And I'm trying to focus it. And I just remember, and I remember literally thinking like, God, I don't even, I don't even know what to pray in this moment. And thank goodness I had heard this verse, I'd studied this verse before, and I'm telling you, I didn't hear an audible voice, but, but God said, hey, Ken. He basically said, remember that verse that says, when you don't know what to pray? He says, this is that moment. And you know what the Lord really, I think, gently impressed upon me then in that moment? Again, I didn't hear anything audible, but the, the Lord just impressed me, he says, you sleep, I've got this. All you need right now is sleep. And you know what? Boom, I fell asleep and slept like a baby. And woke up in the morning, and you know what? God took care of stuff in ways that I couldn't imagine. Because God continues to intercede for his people. And he's there if we'll trust him. The next thing is he helps us overcome evil. I, I love this passage, 1 John 4, 4. It says, dear children, you are from God, right? And you have overcome them. That, that is the forces of evil in the world because the one who is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. Can I get an amen to that? So, so how do we live by the Spirit? If the Holy Spirit is in us, how do we live by the Spirit? Well, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 18 says this. It says, so I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict. Anybody else feel the conflict? Right? They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So there's this conflict working in all of us, and we feel it, right? Paul says, man, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, man, I find myself doing those things, and he's a mess. And this is Paul, right? This guy saw Jesus face to face, and he's still a mess. And so he's like, hey, and so we all feel this conflict. You know, people who, who don't know or don't want to know Christ, they don't have that kind of conflict. They just kind of sin along and they just kind of do whatever, but without the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit just convicting them, they just kind of, they just learn to just kind of live in their sin. They just go on as if that's just normal. But for those of us who, who come to trust in Jesus Christ, 
he will convict you. And like I said, his conviction is a gift. It's him trying to get you back on track. When we feel that struggle, man, it, you know the Holy Spirit is working overtime. I, I always, I, I don't know where I picked this up. I think it was one of my Sunday school teachers when I was little. It was like, okay, the Holy Spirit's living in you, and you're trying to do stuff like, you know, bring stuff into your life that, that God doesn't want. And it's like, it, it's like they, they explained it to me like this. Like, the Holy Spirit's in you. You're trying to bring all this other stuff in, and the Holy Spirit's like kicking and screaming inside of you going like, no, get that out of here, right? It's just like, boom, 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 like, no, no, we don't want any of that. Well, listen to the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's evidence that comes out when we're living lives that are not ruled by the Holy Spirit, but are rather ruled by the sinful nature. In the verse in Galatians that we were looking at, um, in Galatians chapter five, verse 19, it says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, okay? Now, now by the way, it doesn't mean that they're just easy to identify. It means you can't hide them, right? Some of you are worried that someone else might find out. Newsflash, it's obvious. And stop posting it on social media. Because <laughs> now it's obvious to everybody. Okay? And, and, and of course, you, you, you know, I mean, we, we help the Holy Spirit expose this stuff in our lives all the time. But so it says the acts of the sinful nation, they're obvious. They, they, they just stick out like a sore thumb. He says, and what are they? Uh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which debauchery, it means kind of sensual lust, kind of like, think like pornography or something like that. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, okay, anger problems, selfish ambition, dissension, right? Factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, so the list isn't complete. And he says, I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, now when you saw all those things up on the screen, maybe, maybe there's one of them that you were struggling with. Maybe you've got a stronghold in your life that you're just like, man, I keep going back to that thing over and over and over again. What in the world am I, what do I do about that? All right? And, and some of you wish we wouldn't go there because you're just like, man, I'm trying really hard to hide all that. All of us have something. All of us have sinned, and we fall short of the glory of God. We all have something in our lives that is an obvious mess of what God wants to make good in our lives. If you're not sure, ask the Holy Spirit to help you identify the places where your flesh still holds you captive. And, and if you feel convicted in that area, then praise God the Holy Spirit's doing his job. Like I said before, some of you, you've got some deep hurts and habits and hangups, right? And you, and, and you can sign up to, to join on CR Friday, come Friday night. They'll, they'll show you like how, how to allow the Holy Spirit to help in this process. But it's a brave prayer to pray like David and say, hey, Lord, search me and know my heart and just see if there's any evil way in me. And then let God deal with that because he wants you to live a life free of all of that. And now, while the acts of the flesh are obvious, so is the byproduct of a life that is lived under the control of the Holy Spirit. And that's where in Galatians 5, and 23, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I mean, did you notice, first of all, it says the fruit, not the fruits, the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's singular. And, and, and it's important to note that, right? Because there's a tendency in my life, maybe in yours as well, that we separate all these things out. And we start thinking, oh, like, I'm pretty good at the kindness thing. I just really, really stink at the patience thing, Right? Here's what happens. The tendency, if we do that, the, ten, the tendency is to start to believe that you produce these things. The tendency in all of us is to go, oh, I just gotta act more 
kind. I just got to be more patient. I just got to have a little more self-control. Here's the thing. These aren't products of you. This is a product of the Holy Spirit controlling your life. If you are thinking like, oh, I just got to be more patient, and then I just got to work harder at that, then you're never going to get there. You might, you might like be successful once in a while, but you're never going to really experience patience as it's, you're meant to in your life. Okay? And, 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 then the whole, and then what happens is the devil's going like, to point his finger at you and go, see, you, you, you aren't patient. See, you aren't kind. See, you aren't all these things. And you're going to get stuck in this endless cycle of thinking you've got to produce this stuff. The way that you produce this stuff is you get closer to God's Holy Spirit and give him more control in your life. And you allow him to produce it. And, and, and that's how this happens. See, the big question today is how do we win the battle and then live, a, live in the Holy Spirit? How do we stay in step with the Spirit? So I'm gonna give you this super, super fast. It says in Galatians 5, 24 and 25, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When we give our lives to Jesus, he forgives our sin and, and any power that it has over us, right? But we sometimes allow it to hang on. So how, how do we live by the Spirit and get rid of all that? Um, maybe you've heard this illustration before. There's a, it was a story about a guy, who, an old man who was teaching his grandson lessons of life. And, and he told the son, he says, son, he says, grandson, he says, there is a fight going on inside of me. And he told the boy, and it's a terrible fight between these two wolves. One is evil, he has anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. And he continued on, the other, the other wolf, he is, he is good, he is joy, peace, love, patience, kindness, hope, sincerity, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside of each one of us, he says. The grandson thought about it for a minute, and he asked the grandfather, well, which one wins? And you guys know the answer. The old man said, the one you feed the most. And so one of the things I think, how do we put to death, how do we put to death or crucify the flesh and allow ourselves to walk with the Spirit? Um, so there's a little chart we're going to put up here on the thing, and I, I want you, I think it's up there, yeah, is, is here's the question, how, how do you feed the flesh and how do you feed the spirit? And, and, and so, like for instance, and this is just in four different areas, relationships, okay, so if you take a look at the list, think about who are people, who are, what are relationships that feed the flesh in you? There might be people in your life, you may have people who are toxic, that you know that every time you're around them, they, they just drag you into places that you shouldn't go. There, there are people maybe in your life that, man, every time that, that you spend time with them, man, you, you know you gotta repent, <laughs> right? But then on the other side, there, there's relationships, there's people that just feed the spirit in you. People who you walk away from going, man, I just want to be closer to the Lord. Man, that was refreshing to be around those people. Maybe, maybe it's an environment, okay, in environments. Maybe there's places. Come on, you know the places that you go that, that feed the flesh. You know, it, somewhere, it, it, it may be a, a literal place, a place where you just go sit down away from everybody else. It, it may be like late at night in front of a computer. It may be on your crazy little phone, right? And it just feeds the flesh in you. And then ask the question, well, what environments feed the spirit? Around here, one of the ones that we like, we like to call it life groups. It's a great environment. It's a great place for you to work on your relationship with God. Um, it, it, it might be, you know, it, it, might just, it might be studying the Bible together, it might be CR that's helping you. It might, that, those are great environments that help you feed the Spirit. 
Maybe it's desires. I mean, what desires do you have that bring short-term pleasure but long-term pain in your life? What desires might require you saying no today but you know that it will help you experience God's best in the future. And then the next one is, what, what about input? Some of you, man, you know, you are feeding yourself a steady diet of entertainment, news, might be video games, social media, all these other things, right? And that that's taking a huge chunk of your time and your headspace. You got all that input coming in. But, but what about things that feed the spirit, time in God's word, prayer, serving. And, and what I would tell you is, is this, how do you walk in step with the spirit? Well, look at the things that feed the spirit and do those. And, and the things that feed the flesh, like, l- l- let's start learning how to say no. And, and, and we wanna be here to help you with that. You know, if, if you aren't sure that you have God's Holy Spirit, then the odds are that you probably don't. But we can take care of that today. God gave us his Holy Spirit to empower us to live life to the fullest. And if you're not experiencing that, well, well I want you to know that God wants you to live in power. See, Jesus died on the cross so that you could have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. That's why we, that's why we do communion every week. It's to remind us of what Jesus did for us. If you have the, your communion with you, why don't you grab that and get that ready. Jesus died to forgive our sins. But he also died so that we could receive the gift of his Holy Spirit. And, and if you are here this morning... And maybe you just need to make this a time of repentance where, where you say, yeah, Father, I, I need repentance. Maybe, maybe today while we're taking this time and maybe someone's here and you, you know, man, hey, I, I need to get baptized or hey, I wanna talk to somebody more about what it means to follow Christ. If that's you, then I, I'm gonna ask our, our elders and if their spouse, spouse is with them to just come on up and they'll be here to chat with you because we, we don't want you to leave this place unchanged. We want you to leave this place empowered by God's Holy Spirit. Because that's what Jesus gave his life for. So together, let's take the bread that represents Jesus' broken body. And the cup that represents Jesus' shed blood that forgave our sins. Let's take that together. This morning, we just want you to take some time and, and if you desperately want the power of God's Holy Spirit to help you, if you need help combating a sin, if you need help in just launching your life in, in the power of the Spirit, then come and we want to pray with you. Just don't leave unchanged this morning because the Holy Spirit wants to change your life so that you can live free. And I just want to pray over you this morning as you as you think about this. I wanna pray for you this morning a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed over the church in Ephesus. And so just close your eyes for a minute and, and you can listen in, but you can also ask God to give you the Holy Spirit. And just wanna again pray these words over you. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever.
Amen. Thanks for listening to the NPFCC Messages podcast. If you'd like to support the work of our church, head to npfcc.org give to make a one-time or reoccurring gift. For more information about us, you can always check out our website at npfcc.org. Again, that's npfcc.org.